According to a McKinsey study, there are more women in entry-level retail jobs than in any other industry. However, as their careers in retail continue, only 30% of these women make it to senior level leadership positions. And of those, only 13% make it to the C-suite, fewer than in any other industry. This is the Women's Retail Collective podcast, produced in partnership between Third House and the Network for Executive Women, where we pull together retail's most influential women to talk about their careers, how they made it to senior leadership and C-suite positions, and how they lead their organizations through the rapidly evolving retail industry. Today we are kicking off our podcast with Amanda Martinez. Amanda is Group Vice President of Corporate Procurement for Albertsons Companies. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I want to hear all about you. Um, I was, you know, preparing for this, and I have to say, I want to, I want to start at the beginning and hear all about where you grew up, um, just to kind of frame it up. But there's some specific questions I have. One, um, your certificate in gerontology. Oh yes. I, I had to Google it. What but, is gerontology? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's start first. Where did you grow up? Where, okay. where, where did you go to school? So I'm a Northwest girl, born okay. and raised in the Portland, Oregon area. Okay. And I'm the daughter. I'm the. I'm one of two daughters of a father who only had daughters, and um, he was in the grocery retail industry also. Got so it. I grew up seeing dad work real hard and rise to leadership in grocery retail. But I also went to work with him and experienced him introducing me to people as his youngest daughter. And I heard men over and over again say, oh, Jim, you don't have any sons. And he would always very unapologetically say, I don't need a son. My daughters can do anything your sons can do. That's incredible. So as a child, dad expected us to do anything boys would do. And I think that was a really good lesson for me because I learned early on that I could not only compete, but beat little boys. (laughs) So I've never seen my gender as a limiting factor. Um, So growing up in Oregon, always an athlete, ran track, competed against boys, beat boys in track. That's Um, nice. And when I went off to Oregon State, I had no clue what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I think lots of people feel that way. Yes. And it's important for us to continue and remind up and coming leaders that we didn't have it all figured out as a young person. Yes. So when I went to college, um, started taking general business classes and healthcare had always interested me. So okay. I started with a minor in business and a healthcare administration degree. And then I decided to concentrate on gerontology okay. with the hopes of entering the nursing home administration industry. So I wanted to help the elderly um, by you know running well-run nursing homes. Um, And after certification, I had a really hard time finding a job in my field that I thought was worthy of where I wanted to start as a college graduate. Okay. Tell me more about that. Well, they wanted to start me out at lower level positions. Okay. And I wasn't willing to settle. And uh, dad got me a job at Safeway. Okay. While I continued to search for a job in my field, I started as a buyer at Safeway and I loved it. Every day was a new challenge. No day was just like another. Um, I learned 
every day new things, and I got to work with a lot of really interesting people. Was that your first retail job? That was my first retail okay. job. So I um, came right out of college as a buyer at Safeway and you know, never looked back. And so I never ended up going back out and trying to find a job in the nursing home industry, but I've always had a soft spot for the elderly. I, I imagine that that may play a role in how you're, how you're thinking about things with your current job. Like as the boomer mm -hmm. generation kind of goes ages and what that means because there are so many of them. Um, I thought it was a really interesting perspective <laughs> that you probably have that not many people would have. Uh, I think one thing you, you notice if you grocery shop either as a shopper or if you're in on store visits for a business purpose, you look around and there's everybody at yeah. the grocery store, you know, from the That's young so to the old. So I do think um, it's a multi-generational industry and you need to be able to empathize and relate to people who aren't like you in age, but aren't like you in any way. Right. Yeah. So, um, I, I think it probably does help me in business. What happened after Safeway? Where'd you go after that? So I've, I moved around with Safeway in different buying jobs. Okay. And so I started in the Portland division and moved to Seattle, bigger division, a little bit more challenging supply chain for a buyer. Um, and while I was in Seattle, Safeway bought another chain in Alaska cars, our cars stores. And the company was on a acquisition, just firestorm. So we didn't get a lot of help to integrate that acquisition. And so while I was buying for the Seattle division, I got a lot of experience with data integration and conversion and, and what it takes to integrate an acquired company. And that was really challenging work. And you know, I, somebody recognized that I was pretty good at it and yeah. they asked me to join the acquisition team and go on the road full time. I was a young person, not married, no kids, no deep roots in Seattle. So I jumped on the road and helped the company integrate some of our other acquisitions like Randall's Tom Thumb and Genardi's. And from there, Safeway announced centralization and I moved to the Bay area. And that time was very challenging for the company. And there was a lot of opportunity for people who were ambitious and willing to raise their hand. Promotions came quickly. So I climbed the ranks, um, with Safeway through the centralization era quickly. I went from buyer to uh, manager to senior manager, and then back over into supply chain as a director quickly. Um, and so I made director in Oh three. And from there, I moved around in supply chain for a number of years and was looking for a change. And I applied for a position, a lateral position at director level and moved into distribution. Okay. And I was the first woman to lead the distrib two distribution centers at Safeway and uh, learned a ton. I was surrounded by distribution experts that appreciated my different perspective. And I certainly wasn't a distribution expert, but... I, I contributed by being different from everyone else, I guess. What kind of prompted that change? Did you just... Uh, I think I felt a little just stagnant. Okay. I've been in procurement for a long time and I've been a director for almost four years. And it was time to do something different. You know, up until that time, I had been making a change every couple of years. 
uh, trying new things, facing challenges, learning a ton, and it was time. So after four years of a, a director of procurement, I wanted to move over and, and try something new, and that was director of distribution. It was really fun. Worked with amazing peers, and my boss was um, probably one of the best bosses I've ever had. So he challenged me. He yeah. had high expectations, but it's because he knew I could do it. Yeah. And I think because of that, I got promoted to vice president. So I moved from director of distribution over as a VP of manufacturing and ran 13 manufacturing plants and uh, tried uh, that for a while and then went over into merchandising and ran frozen foods. Okay. And left Safeway for a while, and for about a year and a half, I was um, the supply chain officer at Annie's Natural and Organic Foods. And I rejoined Safeway in 2014, right about the time the acquisition was announced by Albertsons, and um, have been a very happy member of the leadership team at Albertsons companies since. I was promoted to group vice president of procurement uh, a little over two years ago. Okay. And so now this is a, a little bit of a new role for me in that I've never... Uh, spent much time procuring commodity meat or commodity produce, and now I lead those functions along with traditional CPG. So tell us what what a day in your life in this new role looks like now, if there is one. There one is day. no standard day. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know, I start my day looking at my key performance indicators and see how the team is doing, but. I walk around every morning and I greet my team. And I think it's really important that I am visible and that I talk to everybody and I connect with them on a human level, not just a KPI level. So I do the rounds in the morning um, after checking KPIs and connect with my team. And then there's usually conference calls and meetings, right. and, um, vendor meetings. So just every day is a little bit different. How much are you responsible for um, going out and sourcing the new, new partners that you would work with? Mm. Is that a big part of your job still, no. or that's more team the team underneath you? I'm not um, making assortment decisions, for example, and bringing in new vendors. Okay. So uh, the vendor meetings that we have on the procurement team, um, those are business reviews at the national level. So you know, Kraft Heinz or or Coca-Cola might come in and we sit down and we look at supply chain metrics and we say, okay, how is our business doing together? What are those areas that we need to focus on together? Is it, is it fill rate? Is it on-time delivery? How can we work together to drive sales through supply chain performance? And as you think about supply chain performance, um, sales, and how where the future of grocery mm -hmm. in particular is going, what kind of things do you imagine seeing um, in the future of the Albertsons companies or Safeway stores? Yeah. Well, everything's changing um, and it's getting a lot more difficult, I guess, to predict what will happen based on historical data. Okay. Um, we're looking for ways to implement technology enablers in every process possible. Um, so, you know, whether it be automating distribution centers because warehouse labor is getting harder and harder and harder to acquire, or maybe it's leveraging algorithms and, and data science to make demand planning recommendations in order to, you know, delight our shoppers at shelf by having good in-stock conditions. So, you know, I think where processes maybe used to be manual mm -hmm. and rely heavily on 
um, historical performance, it's getting harder to do that. And so now leveraging data and technology to improve performance is where it's at. And how are you and your team finding those technologies and, and figuring out new ways of collecting the data to really, how are you, how are you encouraging them and how do you yourself kind of stay curious in that area? Well, I have a great team, a team of really smart people that I rely on heavily. I can't do it all myself. Sure. Um, no one can. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I do, uh, I'll pick directors from my team um, underneath my vice presidents and really ask them to run point and go deep on a subject. And that gives me the opportunity to meet with them frequently to stay in touch with an initiative. But ultimately, they get to feel like an owner because they're maybe evaluating the technology or they're helping to design the way we'll use the technology. I think um, leveraging the perspectives of my team members is, is it's great because it drives their own development, but um, I don't have time to do it all myself. Yeah. So it's really the only, it's a survival tactic. Right. For me. Right. And as you, as you kind of continue to evolve in this new role, what are some of the things from your past life or roles that you feel like you pull from most frequently in, in your new position, newer position? Well, um, we talked a lot today at, at ELF about imperfections. And I think it's taken me a long time in my career to kind of accept that no day is going to be perfect. I won't be perfect in any role, and I, but I, I, I can only be me. Mm-hmm. And I remember being a new director. And when I got that promotion, I was nearly um, intimidated by my own title. Hmm. All of a sudden I was a director and I thought all of the expectations for me were suddenly different. And it took me a while to realize that, you know, what got me there is exactly what I needed to continue doing. And that's something that is that I still have to remind myself of today. You know, I just got to be me. I can't be anybody else. I just got to be me and accept me for who I am and approach each day as who I really am. And that is, you know, greeting my team because I am an outgoing, friendly person. I enjoy people. So I'm going to take that approach running my team just like I would outside of work. Um, If I don't know everything, that's okay. I'm as a leader, it's okay for me to not have every answer. I can tap into the strengths of my team around me. Um, and I take that approach now, even, even though I'm a group vice president, I still don't expect myself to have all the answers. I can't possibly have all the answers. And do you have other peers? Like, how do you connect with other people, um, at your level to kind of talk through this stuff and and what, what do you leverage there? So, um, I love the opportunity that I've had at Albertsons to be a chair of our women's inspiration and inclusion network. So I chair our women's ERG and it's been incredibly rewarding. We host, um, a series of leadership talks each month called coffee talks. Okay. And we've had about 15 of them now. Um, and we started with our COO, Susan Morris. And her coffee talk really clicked for me because she shared one of the most surprising things about reaching her level of leadership is that it's lonely. Mm. Why, how, why did she say that? Well, because the higher you go, the fewer people there are for you to connect with. Okay. And, you know, Jocelyn Wong shared this a little bit yesterday too, from the stage here at ELF, but, um, you know, you, you have to be careful 
um, who you go to for those truth talks and who you're seeking feedback from. Um, Because so many people are looking at you to kind of guide their impression of a situation. And um, so I think that as the higher you go, you get more and more guarded. And I think that's what Susan meant with it's lonely at the top. Yeah. There's fewer peers. So there's trust. fewer people yeah. there, right? That makes sense. And and New has shared that. That's a pretty common theme across leaders. Um, I so I connect with my fellow board members that hold various titles, but yeah. we're board members together for when. That's been really rewarding. I mentor several women, and that's a two way street. They're they're investing in me as much as I'm investing in them. Um, so those are some of the ways that I connect. I'm curious how, so what are some of the things that you've learned from, from the younger women that Mm -hmm. you've been mentoring? Um, especially as you, as you're thinking about your role and how, you know, like you were, we were saying earlier, this comes full circle, like how you look at every age group that everybody comes to a grocery store. What are those young women that you're mentoring? What are some of the things that you found insightful? Okay. We, we currently have a, a powerhouse a college student that's on site uh, with us. She's a supply chain student and clearly a youngster in my eyes. (laughs) Her approach to the world is just amazing to me. Like her, her courage every day. She's, she knows that she can do anything. Like she is so convinced in her own abilities we probably all come out of college with that same approach and somehow over time we lose it. And so it's, Hmm. it's really great for me just to walk down the hall grab coffee or just, she walks right into my office and there's no question she won't ask me. Um, you know, I need to do more of that there. I guard myself from leaders. There's not ever, you know, Oh, I can't ask that question. You know, she or he, that he would think that's stupid. Well, in Chloe's case, there's nothing she won't ask me. So I can learn a lot from her just bravery and just confidence every day. And then one of my team members that I'm um, very proud of her accomplishments and seeing her rise in her career. And I hope that I've had something to do with that, but um, encouraging her to approach difficult situations and then be there to support her, but not do it for her, let her do it and then praise her accomplishments along the way. I've learned um, the impact that that has on others. And I think it's encouraged me to continue to do that with other people. So given all of your experience that we've talked about today and the statistics that we, mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier, what do you tell the women that you're mentoring? And what would you say to men and women who are in those entry level jobs in retail? Um, what advice would you give them? Well, you know, we've heard this week also that it's a woman's role to bring another woman along. And I think I would continue to say that because I think one of the reasons that there's fewer women at the top in grocery retail is we need to see ourselves in our role models. And when you don't see anyone that you resemble, you you doubt whether or not you can get there. And I think the more that we can give up and coming women role models and make ourselves accessible and encourage them, I think that we'll hold on to them longer. Um, I think that men need to be encouraged to bring women along. And I think men need to be encouraged to seek out a mentoring relationship with a woman, not because 
they're investing in her, but they're going to learn from her too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think grocery only gets better with more women at the top, not because women are smarter, braver, more creative, but because if you have too many people that are just alike at the top, you're, oh, you're limiting the creative power. We just need more people that don't think just alike. Diversity is a really good thing for business because you have more creative, thought-provoking problem resolution. And that's why we need to be focused on it, not just for the statistics. Right. Fair. Okay. As I close this out, I have one more question for okay. you. So thinking back on, on your career, mm-hmm. or, I mean, if it goes even further back in, into, into college and, um, and before that, if you were going to surprise somebody with a thank you note, mm-hmm. who, someone who impacted your career at this point, or you still think about, mm-hmm. who would that be and what would you say to them? Wow. Um, I love writing thank you notes. <laughs> It's a lost art. There's real power in them. <laughs> yes. yes. A, a, a written thank you, I think, is appreciated so much. Um, so I would write a thank you note to someone who was my sponsor early on in my career. Um, I still talk to him. Uh, but I would write Jerry a thank you note and tell him, thank you for challenging me. Because he saw things in me that I didn't see. And he pushed me in directions that I wouldn't otherwise have gone. And I think it's important initially for us to have some encouragement to take those first few risks. Absolutely. Then once you do it and it turns out okay, you're more likely to do it without encouragement. But I think we definitely need that person to help us feel secure. And Jerry was that person for me. And he sponsored me for many years. And I think I made it to my first vice president role because of that encouragement. That's Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. We have Amanda Martinez, Group Vice President of Corporate Procurement for Albertsons Companies. Amanda, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and um, enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you so much. If you could throw a concert with three of your favorite bands, what three bands would they be? They can be dead or alive. Okay. So probably one of my, in my top three would be Three Doors Down. Oh yeah. Um, Great songs. I've never tired of them. And now you only see them at fairs and things. So (laughs) um, I would love to see Three Doors Down. Let's see. Uh, I love Little Big Town. I've seen them live. I'd love to see them again. I'll probably get to see them again, but I love Little Big Town. Okay. Um, And probably, it would probably be a country band. Who else? Hmm. Ah, Zach Brown Band? Oh, fun. Yeah, I love it. Good concert. <laughs>